All right, thank you, fellow. Psalm 77, if you have a Bible with you this morning, the 77th Psalm. Psalm chapter number 77. It's great to have you in church this morning, and I hope the message is a blessing to you and a help. And I never cease to be amazed at how helpful God's Word is, how on time it is, how pertinent it is, how... Uh, how, how much it is in context of what we're going through, whether it be our society as a whole or whether it be our own personal lives. And uh, written thousands of years ago, and of course forever settled in heaven, according to Psalm 119, but, uh, but yet how, uh, how relevant the Bible is to all of us every single day. Psalm 77, if you'll stand with me please for the reading of God's Word. And if you're glad to be in church today, say Amen. All right. Now, you men remember how to say amen throughout the morning, okay? Don't forget that. All right. Psalm 77. We'll read the first 10 verses of the chapter. The psalmist, inspired by the Holy Spirit, said, I cried unto God with my voice, even unto God with my voice, and he gave ear unto me. By the way, isn't it great to know that when you cry out to God, he hears you? You never have cried when God didn't hear. I'll promise you that promise you that verse number two in the day of my trouble i sought the lord my sore ran in the night and ceased not my soul refreshed or i'm sorry refused to be comforted i remembered god and was troubled i complained and my spirit was overwhelmed selah the word selah there every time you see it it means stop pause it means think about it it means meditate upon it verse number four thou holdest mine eyes waking I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of ancient times. I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart, and my spirit made diligent search. Verse 7, will the Lord cast off forever? And will he be favorable no more? Is his mercy clean gone forever? Doth his promise fail forevermore? Hath God forgotten to be gracious? Hath he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah. Verse number 10 is our text verse. And I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. Again, verse number 10. And I said, this is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. That's an interesting statement. This morning, I want to take that little that little thought about the right hand of God. God's right hand. And let's pray together. I, my Father, I pray that you'd help us in these few moments that we'll spend together. Not a lengthy time. In just a few moments, we'll be headed out the doors and on the way to the remainder of the Lord's day. And, and uh, Father, I pray that you'd help us while we're here to get something that'll be a blessing. Father, help us to learn a truth. Help us to be reminded of your goodness to us your good right hand to us father we'll look at a couple of different things this morning that uh, potentially could be salvaging to us uh, helpful to our spirit helpful to our uh, our peace of mind and uh, help us uh, father to go on and uh, father thank you as the men sang a few moments ago that uh, there was a day in my in my life when i i rest my case at the cross as far as my eternal destiny is concerned. Father, if there's anyone here like that who needs to do the same thing this morning, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. If anyone here is doubting their eternal destiny, may it all be settled today 
And Father, for Christians, believers who are unsettled in their own lives and in a variety of areas, Father, I pray that you administer grace in every heart. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. The Bible tells us that God is a spirit. The Bible is very clear about that. In John chapter 4 and verse 24, the Bible says God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. When Jesus came to earth 2,000 years ago, God became flesh. Uh, Christmas is really the celebration of not, uh, not just a baby in a manger per se, but the fact that God became flesh and dwelt among us. Emmanuel, God with us. And uh, in just a few days, we'll start all the things that make Christmas such a special and unique time of the year. But in essence, that's what Christmas is about. God becoming flesh. Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 9, the Bible says, For in him, talking about Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In fact, Jesus himself said during his earthly ministry, he said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You've seen the Father if you've seen Him. Jesus was the express image of the Godhead. Now, <clears throat> but as you read through the Scriptures, you find references to God in a, in a physical sense. And one of those passages in here in Psalm 77, verse number 10, where it refers to the right hand, the right hand of God. That's interesting to me that God chooses to reveal Himself and God reveals himself to us several times and gives us pictures that we can visualize and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and be a comfort and a help to us in times of need. Another reference to God in a physical sense has to do with his, uh, his hands, as we saw here. In Proverbs 15, the Bible talks about the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Uh, back when I was a kid, we had, a, we had an evangelist who came to our church every year, uh, an evangelist by the name of Mays Jackson. You may or may not have heard of Mays Jackson, but uh, Mays Jackson had a sermon. I've heard him preach it several times, and it's an interesting title. It, it, uh, it refers to, the title of the sermon is, When God Rolls Up His Sleeves. There's a reference to that in one of the, one of the uh, uh, books in the Old Testament, Isaiah, I believe it is, where it talks about God bearing his right arm. And the title of the sermon was God rolling up his sleeves. That gives us a mental picture of God showing his strength, flexing his muscles, if you will. And here in Psalm chapter 77, the Bible refers to the right hand of God. I want us to take a few moments this morning and look at the right hand of the Father. The right hand of God. First of all, I want you to notice with me, God's right hand reminds us of his power. God's right hand reminds us of his power. Psalm chapter 62 and verse number 11, the Bible says, God has spoken once, twice have I heard this, that power belongeth unto God. Power belongeth unto God. In Exodus chapter 15 and verse number 6, Thy right hand, O Lord, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Lord, hath dashed the, uh, the enemy in pieces. In that passage in, in, in uh, Exodus chapter 15, we find the song that Moses and the children of Israel sang after they crossed the Red Sea on dry ground. They're rejoicing because if you think about what happened at the Red Sea, <clears throat> excuse me, you think about what happened at the Red Sea, 
where two and a half to three million of God's people were there. The Egyptian army was closing in behind them. The Red Sea was before them, and they were literally between a rock and a hard place. They had no place to go, and destruction and certain defeat was imminent. And, uh, and Moses cries out to God and said, God, what are we going to do? And God said, Moses, I'm aware of your situation. And may I tell you this morning, God's aware of your situation. God said to Moses, Moses, I'm aware of what's going on. You don't need to worry about it. He said, that rod that I gave you back in the wilderness, he said, I want you to take it, and I want you to stretch it over the Red Sea. And you know what happened from there. God parted the Red Sea, and the children of Israel crossed over, on, or crossed right through the, the, uh, the, the, the bed, if you will, of the Red Sea on dry ground. On dry ground. They got to the other side, and Moses, I'm sorry, Pharaoh and his army, they, uh, they uh, uh, gave chase, and they uh, followed them through that, uh, the uh, dry bed of the Red Sea. And once Moses and the children of Israel got to the other side, Moses stretched out his hands again over the Red Sea, and the sea became back to her full strength, and, and uh, Pharaoh and all of his armies were destroyed and drowned. And in Exodus chapter 15, Moses and the children of Israel sing a wonderful song of God's deliverance, how God brought them through. You understand something? God displayed his power in a mighty way that day, but God is no less powerful today than he was then. He's no less powerful. Can you imagine the excitement of the people as they got to the other side and witnessed as God destroyed the armies of Pharaoh and the Red Sea? Surely they thought, if God can do this, he can do anything. And I believe with all my heart that was one of the purposes of the whole Red Sea experience for God's people was for right at the outset for God to demonstrate to his people that he's able to do anything. The Red Sea is a good picture of salvation, by the way. A picture of salvation. Uh, it's a great picture of eternal security. You know what? When uh, Moses and the, and the people got to the other side, hey, there was, no go there was no going back to Egypt. There was no going back to the old way of life. And God demonstrates his power to us in the mightiest of ways when he does the unbelievable, and that is to save our wretched soul from hell. Amen. Let me ask you a question. If God can save your eternal destiny from hell to heaven, what could he not do for you? You ever think about that? The right hand of God speaks about his power, speaks about his might, speaks about what he did for his people when he brought them through the Red Sea on dry ground, when he gave them deliverance and salvation from the old life of sin. And hey, if God can save you, my friend, from the old life of sin, the way things used to be, what could he not do for you? Think about your own testimony this morning. All the people in this room, everybody, everybody here who is a believer in Christ, you've received Christ as your Savior, you have a testimony. Go back in your mind to the day that you got saved. Think about what God saved you from. Think about the life that God saved you out of. Think about what you used to be. Think about, oh, wretched man, as the Apostle Paul said of himself, oh, wretched man that I am. Think about John Newton, the one who penned the words, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. T'was blind, but now I see. John Newton never forgot what the old John Newton was like. And he said it was God's amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Let me tell you, God saved a wretch like me. God saved a wretch like, hey, we all could put our name and fill in that blank with our name. It doesn't matter what you were saved from or what you were saved out of. Hey, it's the grace of God that saved us from a life of sin. It's the grace of God that saves us from a life of sin. 
And we need never forget the great power that God demonstrated when he saved us. Hey, let me tell you something. If God can save a sinner like me and, and, and uh, uh, raise me up out of the, the, the horrible pit, as David said, if he can give me a home in heaven, if he can keep me out of hell for eternity, hey, what could he not do for me? What could he not do for me? I'm saying we serve a powerful God. We serve a powerful God. Often we need to be reminded of his omnipotence, his all-powerful nature. Because we live in a world of limitations, we're limited in our thinking, we're limited in our resources, we are limited in our health, and we are limited in our endurance. But I have good news for you this morning. The strength of God's right hand is right there, and it's available to his children. His power does the unthinkable. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9, this is Paul speaking, and Paul was in a very different situation. The Bible tells us that Paul had what the Bible calls a thorn in the flesh. The Bible's not specific about what that thorn was, but whatever it was, it afflicted Paul physically in his body, okay? There's a lot of speculation there. There's, uh, there are folks who think that Paul, it was some kind of a, uh, a disorder with his vision, his eyesight. Whatever that physical limitation or that thorn in the flesh was really is not, is not important. But what is important is the fact that Paul went to God, and in fact, he went to God three times. And he said, God, would you deliver me from this physical impairment? Would you deliver me from this thorn in the flesh? Not once, not twice, but three times, Paul went to the Lord and said, Lord, would you deliver me? Would you take it away from me? And notice what God's reaction, his response to Paul was in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 9. And he said unto me, don't miss it, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I endure, uh, will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, God said to Paul, he said, Paul, I'm not going to take away your infirmity. Now, wait a minute. That's not what he asked. That's not what, how many times have you gone to God with a prayer request that was at the zenith of your existence? You couldn't think about anything else. And so you took it to God and said, God, I've got to have this answer. By the way, when you, when, when you go to God, don't go to God with an agenda. Open your heart to God and say, God, here's what my need is. Here was, here was, here's what my problem is. And by the way, God already knows before you go to him, but he wants you to go to him. <laughs> but go to God and say, God, I don't know what to do, but to bring this to you, God, would you do something? You know, sometimes we look at prayer as a method for God to take care of our circumstances when God is more interested in changing our character than he is our circumstances. I'm not saying God's not interested in changing your circumstances. But God is more, more interested in changing me and changing you and conforming us to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And there may be a byproduct down the road where he does change our circumstances. But let's stop going to God with our agenda saying, God, you do this and you do it now. God doesn't work that way. Paul said, I took this thing to Jesus three times. I took it to the Lord and said, Lord, here's my infirmity. Here's my thorn in the flesh. And every time God came back with the same answer. Paul, I know you're having a hard time, son. He said, but I want, you, I want you to understand that my grace is enough. My grace is sufficient. 
And I stand here this morning to say that God in his power and his omnipotence and in his infinite wisdom and in, in everything that we, that we uh, uh, know about God and his great power and glory, he also understands something that we don't. And that is, his grace is sufficient for us. If you're going through it, God has given you the grace to go through it. And until God answers the prayer as far as your circumstances are concerned, why don't we just open ourselves up to change our character to be what God wants us to be? That's what he's, that's what he's after. You know, we look at our situation and we want, we want happiness. We want a non-bumpy road. You know, it's in the preamble of our Constitution. You know, that, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. May I help us? May the Bible help us? God is more interested in my holiness than he is my happiness. Oh, and by the way, if I'll take care of the holiness part of it, happiness kind of comes as a byproduct of that. Look, <clears throat> he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Hey, Paul, I know you're having a hard time. I know you're going through struggles. He says, but I'm able, I'm able to take away your, your thorn in the flesh if that's what I chose to do. He said, but until that happens... I want you to rest in my grace. Rest in my grace. My grace is sufficient for you, Paul. Paul prayed. <clears throat> God never did remove that. As far as we know, God wanted his power to be evident in Paul's life. So he said, Paul, I'll give you the grace to endure your thorn in the flesh so that you can see my power working in your life. I'm simply saying, God's right hand reminds us of his power and his wisdom to know not only that he can fix whatever's going on in our life, but he has the wisdom and he has the grace to see us through the problems of life. Number two, let me show you this. God's right hand speaks of his preservation. God's right hand speaks not only of his power, but it speaks of his preservation. In Psalm 18 and verse 35, Thou hast also given me the shield of thy salvation, and thy right hand hath holden me up, and thy, greatness, or thy gentleness hath made me great. This morning, I am preserved by God. And so are you. The reason why you were able to walk in this room this morning is because of God's hand, his right hand of preservation. His preservation. You understand, 168 hours ago, many of us were sitting in these very, in these very pews in this same auditorium. You understand how God has preserved you for the last week? You understand that? You understand what could have happened in your life in the last 168 hours since last time you sat here on a Sunday morning? God preserved you. God preserved me. There's that physical preservation. Uh, you think about all the traffic accidents that could have happened. I've seen some of you drive, man. It's amazing. There's nothing short of amazing. <laughs> uh, you think about, think, think about the, how God has just put his hedge of protection around you to bring you back to this place. God is very gracious to protect us. Psalm 121, the Bible says this, in verse number 3, He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. <clears throat> Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither <coughs> slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. How quickly we forget that the strong right hand of God is protecting us. 
What a great God we serve. There's a physical aspect of that, but there's also a spiritual aspect of God's preservation. In John chapter 10 and verse number 28, the Bible says this, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man, don't miss this, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. God's right hand of protection, God's right hand of power, God's right hand of preservation, not only a physical preservation, but let me tell you, I'm saved today because God's hand preserves me. I'm preserved. How's that for eternal security? My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Jesus said, hey, if you're, if you're, sa- if you're saved, if you trusted Christ as your Savior, he said, they shall, don't miss this next word, never perish. Never perish. I feel sorry for folks who walk around holding on to their salvation, thinking they're going to somehow juggle it and lose it and drop it down uh, the storm drain and never see it again. I feel sorry for folks like that. Hey, it, that, that's, not, that's not Bible salvation. Biblical salvation is eternal salvation. Once saved, always saved. I'm in the Father's hand. No man shall pluck me out of his hand, the Bible says. I realize there's a lot of folks who really struggle with this matter of assurance of salvation. And there was a time in my life, you've, uh, many of you heard my testimony, when I struggled with assurance of salvation. But understand this morning, you're not saved by your works, and neither are you kept by your works. He does the saving, He does the keeping, and that makes you eternally secure. Eternally secure. Notice with me number three. We talked about God's right hand of power and God's right hand of protection and preservation, but also notice God's right hand speaks of His pleasure. God's right hand speaks of his pleasure. In Psalm chapter 16 and verse number 8, the psalmist writes, I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be be moved. And then later in that same passage, thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. Don't miss it. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Understand, sometimes I believe that Christians are, are, are that we're, we're guilty of giving the world the wrong impression of Christianity. Don't miss it. Do we appear to the world to be miserable? Do we appear to the world to be, well, to, to characterize the Christian life as restrictive? No, no. The Bible says, Whom the, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you're free indeed. And if you're saved, let me tell you something, you're free, not free to do whatever your flesh wants to do, free to live in, 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 in joy and peace and happiness, living in the Spirit, letting the Spirit live through you and exemplify those fruits in Galatians chapter 5 through your life. Hey, I'm simply saying the fact is the Christian life is enjoyable, it's fun, it's exciting, it's pleasurable, and it's a wonderful, wonderful life. But notice that my possession of joy is directly related to God's right hand in that same verse it says that fullness of joy is don't miss this in his presence you know do you know why we forfeit the joy that we could have we stray from his presence we stray from his presence oh the present the joy is available to us joy is within our grasp 
is right there. It's available. We can have it. God's not going to withhold it from us, but we find the joyful Christian life in God's presence, at His right hand, so to speak. If I'm not experiencing joy in my life, could it be that the problem is not with God? The problem's with me. Hey, if I'm down in the dumps, if, 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 I'm, if, I'm, uh, if I'm miserable, if I'm not what I ought to be, hey, that's not God's fault. Can I? Newsflash. God hasn't changed. <laughs> he hasn't moved. God did not change his address and didn't tell you. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't sneak away from you. He didn't walk away from you. No, he's always been where he's always been. And if I'm not living the joyful Christian life, it's because I have strayed from his presence. The Bible says, in thy presence is fullness of joy. Could it be that I have strayed from the Father's presence? God's right hand speaks of his pleasure, speaks of his joy. And then finally this morning, I close with this, God's right hand speaks of his pardon. God's right hand speaks of his pardon. God's right hand speaks of his power. It speaks of his preservation, the physical preservation to bring us here on a Sunday morning, the spiritual preservation to save us once and for all eternity. God's right hand speaks of his pleasure, and thy presence is fullness of joy. And then finally, God's right hand speaks of his pardon. Psalm chapter 20, verse number 6. Now know that I, the Lord, saveth his anointed, he will hear him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Did you hear that? With the saving strength of his right hand. In Psalm 17 and verse 7, Show thy marvelous loving kindness, O thou that savest by thy right hand, them which put their trust in thee from those that rise up against them. Oh, listen to me this morning. We'd be remiss if we didn't mention this at the end of the message. God's right hand speaks of his pardon his pardon, his forgiveness. You know what? We all need pardoning, don't we? We all need pardoning. You know why? Because as a sinner, I stand before God guilty. As a sinner, I stand before God condemned. Condemned to what? The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Understand, the soul that sinneth, the Bible says, it shall surely die. All of us fall under the condemnation of God because of our sin debt. Our sin debt, we were born that way. I'm a sinner by birth. I'm a sinner by choice. The psalmist said in Psalm 51, in sin did my mother conceive me. What did he mean by that? He meant that we're all born the same way. We're born into this world as sinners. Sinners. Oh, but wait a minute. What's the difference, preacher? If you're, you said a little while ago, you know you're going to heaven. You said, and then you said you're a condemned sinner on your way to hell. Hey, I was on my way to hell until, until I found out that God's right hand speaks of his pardon. The right hand of God speaks of his pardon because it was the right hand of God that made a way of escape for all of us so that we wouldn't have to go to hell. It was the right hand of God that said, hey, hey you know what, <clears throat> that yes, that the whole race is, is a bunch of filthy sinners. Romans 1, 2, and 3 talk about the, the condemnation of the human race and that we're all depraved, uh, free moral agents who chose to walk away from God. But God in his mercy and God in his grace and God in his goodness and God in his love, by his right hand, he said, hey, you know what, I'm going to send my only son. 
But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for Kevin Dale, and he died for you. He died for you. And in so doing, in Jesus dying on the cross and shedding his blood and, and through his, uh, his suffering and his death on the cross and his, and his shed blood and blood applied to the mercy seat in heaven, he did everything to write my pardon. To write my pardon. You know that word pardon is an interesting word. The word pardon means not only is the penalty gone, but the guilt is gone. Did you hear what I said? The pardon suggests that not only did Jesus pay for the penalty, I don't have to go to hell because of what Jesus did for me. Hey, I'm not saved because I'm a good person. I'm, a good, I'm, a, I'm saved because Jesus, the, the, the good person, died in my place. I'm not saved because of that water. I'm not saved because I go to church. I'm not saved because of anything other than the grace and goodness of God and what Jesus did for me on Calvary. That's it. That's it. But my pardon means I'm not just free from the penalty of what my sin demanded. I'm also free from the guilt of it. Free from the guilt of it. But you know what was necessary for me to access the pardon that God made available to me? I had to come clean with God. I had to come clean with God. I had to come to God one day and say, God, I'm a sinner. God, I'm a sinner. We don't like to say that, do we? There's something about us, Brother Justin, that bristles at the thought of an admission of guilt. But before I could be saved, I had to come to grips with the fact that I was a sinner, condemned by my sins. And I remember that day, that happy day when I got on my knees and said, God, I'm a sinner. There's nothing good about me, God. God, if I got what I deserved, I'd pay for eternity in hell because of my sin. Oh, but Jesus paid that penalty. He paid that debt. He did everything that was necessary to take away my penalty, to take away my guilt, to take away my sin, and gone, gone, gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Why? Because of the right hand of a God who is willing to pardon me. He's willing to pardon me. Can I say something? He's willing to pardon you too. You don't have to walk out those doors today underneath the load of guilt of being a sinner. See, preacher, what do I do? You do the same thing anybody does to get saved. You come to Christ. You come to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I'm a filthy sinner. There's nothing in me that's good. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe that you died, was buried, and rose again after three days for my justification. Boy, that's what you ought to do this morning. Run to Jesus. Run to a God whose right hand has made a way of pardon for your sins. If you're here this morning and you're saved, hey, he saved you. What, could, what, what can he not do for you? What can he not do for you? The right hand of God speaks of his power. Speaks of his power. We treat our God, we treat our God as if he is somehow limited. We treat him as if he is past his prime, so to speak. I say this with reverence and respect. But our prayerlessness is a testimony that we treat God as if he is somehow a has-been. Oh, he could do it in the Old Testament. He could give deliverance to his people. He could part the Red Sea. He could do this. He could do the other. But 2019, you know, we're kind of in this uh, 
postmodern era of believing in God that he can do anything. I'm here to tell you, if he can save your soul from hell, if he can save my soul from hell, what could he not do for you? What could he not do for you? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You see, what we have to come back to, church, is this. The problem is God's is not God's lack of ability because he's as strong now as he ever has been. That's one of his attributes. He's omnipotent. The problem is not with God. The problem is with me. The problem is not with God. The problem is with me. If you're here this morning, you're not saved. The problem is not with God because he offers salvation freely to all who would accept it. The problem is with me. Am I going to be too prideful to admit my sinful condition? Am I going to be too prideful or uh, uh, am I going to put it off a decision that has eternal uh, consequences? Problems with me. If you're here and you're saved, hey, you're as close to God as the mention of his name. Hey, why don't you get right with him this morning? Hey, if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why don't you put God's right hand to work for you what is it that you need is it his power is it his protection hey have you strayed away from his presence at thy right hand are his fullness of joy if i'm not having the joyful christian life lived out in me through his spirit it's not god's fault it's my fault i've strayed from his presence how about it our father i pray that you take these very simple thoughts and apply them to our hearts as your spirit sees fit Father, if there's one here this evening, or this morning rather, who doesn't know Christ as his Savior or her Savior, I pray that today would be the day of salvation because the right hand of God speaks of his pardon. He wants to forgive. He wants to, he wants to save. And Father, I pray that you'd help those who are here this morning who are not saved to come to the Savior in Jesus' name. Our heads are about eyes are closed. Is there one here who'd say, Pastor, let me just start with this. How many would say, Preacher, I do know what God's pardon is all about because I've experienced it firsthand. I know that I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven because I've been pardoned by the right hand of God. Would you raise your hand? Jesus is my Savior. I remember where I was when I trusted Christ. God bless you. You can put your hand down. I wonder, is there one here this morning who'd say, Preacher, I don't know for sure that I'm saved. If I were to die today or sometime soon, I do not know that heaven is my home. I do not know the pardon of my sins that God offers. Preacher, would you pray for me? Just lift your hand. Let me, God bless you. Is there anyone else? Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. If I were to die today or sometime soon, I don't know. I just do not know for sure that heaven is my eternal home. Is there anyone like that? All right. Maybe you're here as a Christian and uh, you've lost your joy a little bit. Can I tell you where to get it back? At the right hand of God. At the right hand of God in his presence. You know, if you're at God's right hand, you can't be but so far away from him. Why don't you get back to within arm, arm's length of the Lord? <laughs> Why don't you get to back to where, hey, by the way, when you're, when, you're close in, when you're close to the Lord, oh, there may be some, there may, I'm not saying that your life's always going to be simple and that you're not going to have any problems, but let me tell you, <clears throat> when you're right, when you're that close to the Lord and have access to his right hand, hey, you can sense his, you can experience his power in whatever else is going on in your life. Oh, friend, let me tell you something. Whatever it is between you and the Lord, get it right this morning. Let's all stand together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. <clears throat> While they begin to play the invitation song, don't wait. Don't wait. If you need to be saved, get saved today. You need to trust Christ as your Savior. Experience the pardon of God.